Welcome into another episode of ESPN's Ball and the Real World podcast. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, and we've got a, a good guest today from Melbourne United. The head coach, Dean Vickerman, is about to jump on with me. We haven't caught up with Dean on the show uh, for a long time, uh, but we're going to talk about the defense of this team. Do they have enough offense? NBA scouts in town. What is the process with a guy like Ariel Hookporty hoping to get to the NBA and much more? NBL awards and everything in between. So it's a pretty good chat. Uh, before I do that, remind everyone, go to ESPN.com.au for all your latest basketball news. I've got stuff up there from the NBL, from the NBA uh, weekly, as well as everything else uh, you need from our friends over in the US and WNBA draft, which was just held a couple of days ago as well. So there's plenty going on in the basketball world. And don't forget to check out The Jump on ESPN, Friday nights, 7 p.m., Andrew Gaze, Leonard Copeland, Nat Edwards is the host. I'm involved as well. Uh, if you haven't caught the jump yet, it's a really fun basketball show. We have guests from the US. Uh, this week on the show, Trevor Gleason, uh, Perth Wildcats fans uh, will be excited to hear from Trevor. He's obviously with the Toronto Raptors. They're about to get into their postseason run as well. So it's going to be really fun to catch up with Trevor and see how uh, his first season with the Raptors in the NBA has been going as they're kind of one of the surprise teams in the postseason race. They're having a good run. Join us now, head coach of Melbourne United who are traveling along decently in their championship defense. I would say it's Dean Vickerman. Dean, are you okay with me making that assessment? I wouldn't say satisfied is a word that head coaches usually like to use in the middle of a, of a regular season, but how do you think things are traveling? Yeah, nothing's you know fair. We're obviously found a way to still stay on top, uh, even though the Kings have gone on a crazy run. Um, but yeah, I think the you know the two games against Wollongong were, were certainly the ones that um, you know if you smash those two out, you'd say you'd be going great. But um, you know that was a they certainly gave it to us the first game, and I thought it was a, a really good battle in the in the second one and, and showed us a number of areas that we still got to get better at. So it looks like you're at home and I think the players have a day off today. Does a head coach ever have a day off? Are you able to separate yourself from what's going on, particularly when it's so close to the postseason? No, um, <laughs> is the answer, but um, you know, today's one of those days that you get a chance to do some other things and, you know, the other things for me today are to catch up with a couple of NBA scouts, have a bit of a chat, um, spend some time with them, um, you know, and even look forward. Uh, look at, um, you know, roster construction for you know, for the future. And, you know, there's a lot of teams out there right now that are, um, you know, have, aren't going to make the playoffs and, and, and are busy doing work on, on what their roster looks like. And, um, you know, we've been in that situation before where, if you just lock into right now, um, you can be a step behind. So, um, yeah, a little chance to look forward as well. Um, get some information on some on some people. Uh, you mentioned the scouts. I was going to come back to this later on, but we may as well hit it now. So I, I think it's been well known that the last couple of years has been difficult for people to get out to Australia. So uh, from what I understand, part of it is the guys that you have on your roster that maybe can make the next step. Part of it is people genuinely interested in what Melbourne United is doing and how they've been able to have a bit of a pathway to the NBA with a guy like Jock Landau. So what does it look like 
when you're hanging out with those guys or talking to those guys, what are you, what are you going through? Is it stuff about Ariel? Is it a bigger picture stuff? What does it look like? Yeah, I think it's, you know, Ariel is the starting point. They, they want to certainly, you know, understand how he's made the progress with his body and um, how he's matured since he's been here. Because uh, they see it, and that, but they but they just they do want to understand the, how he got there and who contributed to it, and um, and then there's the you know then we start talking about our other guys, you know we start talking about Joe, we start talking about you know Jack White in the future, and and me it's really um, getting some information from them about you know how they kind of see him fitting, um, you know if they, if they were to make the jump, what they need to work on. And, and so it's, you know, for me, it's a great opportunity to just get feedback um, to give them that feedback about, Hey, these are the things that you still need to work on to, to jump to another level. What do you think the progress has been with Ariel? And maybe it's hard to, to narrow down specifically, but what have you seen that stood out to you? Um, you know, environment, I think was the first one to say, you know, you're going to be held accountable to be on time, to do everything um, and just get the work done. I think that's the main part. Once you once you commit to that and everybody's on the same page from our high performance manager to our strength coach, to our team manager, to coaches, you know, everyone just holding them accountable to doing the things they need to do every day. Um, and then, you know, getting to know him as what's real with injuries, what you can he play through and just understanding all that part as well. So, yeah, once we got to that point of building trust, both with him and us and the medical staff and, and what we're doing in the weight room and nutrition and, and all the parts that go to be in a, a really solid pro, um, then you put it month on month and, and just keep going. And, um, you know, he had to succeed. He had to progress. Was he someone that straight away was like bought into that? Because I think it's easy to forget these guys are teenagers and yes, they're playing in a professional environment, but in terms of team in the NBL, that's had success and where you're not going to just get minutes. He started from wherever he started from. And then I think back to a few weeks ago in the throwdown where you've got him closing the game, which is obviously a significant step. Yeah, no, I don't think he was, you know, totally bought in from the start. It's hard, it's hard to, um, you know, totally buy in if you don't quite understand what, you, what you're getting involved in. And so, um, you know, there's always a a time that it takes to get that done. Um, but he was never, there was never major pushback about where we wanted to, to go with him. And, um, you know, it just took maybe one person try something and maybe <laughs> someone else try something and, and we're, we're going to find a way to get there and, and, and get him on the right track. Um, I think last time I spoke to you, we were talking about Jock and uh, Joe and some of the practices they had. And when you think about it now, and if you look at the, the team numbers and the defense stuff, there's not a big change. And I think that's obviously a testament to the depth you have in the roster, but how have those two been like from a competitive standpoint, from the kind of battling for minutes really here later in the season as well? Yeah, it's certainly different to the, to the Joe and Jock battles where, um, you know, you just the difference in age and maturity, you know, um, Ariel looks at Joe as a mentor right now where, you know, I thought those other two, you know, really were at a level that, yep, um, Jock's played at a higher level in Europe and done some things with the Boomers and all those kind of things. But 
I don't, Joe didn't really care. You know, he just, he's like, I'm going to go at you every day where right now I think Joe's really helpful for Ariel and in, in how we can go at him and then talk to him about it and talk to him about how we can, how we can be better. Uh, I want to get to the defense eventually, but just from an offensive point of view, and I think when I spoke to you at media day, I was asking questions about, do you think you have enough offense? How is the team going to be uh, on this end of the floor? And even if, and I know the numbers aren't everything, but if you look across a, a number of key numbers, whether it's half court transition, you guys are kind of middle of the pack uh, league wide. What would you describe as uh, the strengths of your offense? Or how do you think you guys are placed on that end of the floor? Yeah, we kind of sit in the, and you're a pretty special team if you can be, you know, top in the league in both. Um, that's a it's, a it's a good challenge to, you know, whatever you emphasize the most is, is obviously going to be the area that you're going to be a little bit better at. Um, and I think we were, you know, obviously the first half a year, I thought our defense was amazing. And then, you know, as we put more emphasis on the offense and how we move the ball, how we... Um, you know, decision making is a, is a big one for this group. It's just about how we how we pass the ball and and, and what we see on the floor. Um, and then, yeah, I thought there was some really good progression. We started to see the assist numbers jump. We started to see shooting percentage increase. We started to see better decisions on the break. And um, you know, it's and it's there hasn't been as big a fluctuation uh, over the last little period as well. I think we've been we've been solid. Um, yeah, you know when when we when we're poor, the the ball, you know, doesn't move the way you want it to move, and there's too many dribbles, and um, you know, against pressure coverage, we we need to get it out a little bit more, quick, a little quicker, and and be able to move it. So, um, yeah, there's still some great areas to work on, you know, for the playoffs in the offensive area. Nobody does defensively, but what does Baba bring in in that area of the floor? Because when you we've seen him a little bit now, but obviously last year, he was kind of a guy that felt like he really set the tempo and it obviously started defensively when you talk about what he can do in transition and he's always sort of, he's one of the guys that always does appear to be moving on offense. So I think everyone thought of him as a defensive acquisition, which makes sense, but it feels like he brings something on offense as well. Yeah. We thought, you know, with the kind of the highest frequency of transition play in the league or up there with Wollongong, um, you know, we really thought he would, We've doubled down a little bit with him just getting a, a few more finishes at the rim for us in transition. Um, but, yeah, defensively, you know, we haven't quite got him to a level that I thought he was at, um, you know, when he finished with us last year. And I think that happens. You, gotta, for, you don't play for four months. It's going to take some time to get back there. So, um, you know, we've been happy with the, the kind of minutes that we've got out of him so far to push him to, you know, 18 kind of minutes. And, um, but yeah, we can, we can just see the slow progress. I thought he just moved better in the, in the cans game. Um, after the first period, I didn't like his first three minutes and we got him out and said, this is, that's not the defensive level we need you at. And so, um, yeah, we're still coaching him and, um, but we, we're just seeing the, the gradual improvement and, um, it's going to take the full seven games for, for him to be ready to go on the playoffs. Uh, on the defensive side, you've basically been number one for most of the season, but really uh, the longer the regular season's gone, maybe you had that little dip, as you mentioned, well, probably the one game against Illawarra, but outside of that, it's been pretty consistent. What makes the defense dominant? Recruiting more than, <laughs> more than anything, you know, the people that we, that we, that we bring to the club, um, you know, you need to be a two-way player for to play for United, and um, and if you're not, we're going to ensure that that you really improve in that area. Um, you know, we have great 
ball hawks that, that are going to get up after it and make it difficult. And, um, you know, if, if some of the scouts are to drive people downhill, you know, having Joe and Ariel and Whitey um, protect the rim at the end of it um, is pretty special. But, um, you know, I like the job that other people are doing well. I think, you know, Chris is one of the best at chasing guys around screens without getting hit. Um, you know, Delhi is so versatile and guarding a, a three-man and switching on to a four at different times as well. Um, so there's, there's a lot of really good pieces. Um, but again, you know, we might not do any offensive scouting for the team that we play until the day before the game. It's it's two or three days of build-up of get our defense and understand what our solid coverage looks like for this game and, and, and what our... Um, aggressive coverage looks like and, and then we will we'll focus on the, the offense and the last part of it. What have you learned about Dali? I, I know you, again, in the preseason, you spoke about how, uh, how hard he works off the floor, whether it's video stuff, uh, trying to talk to guys, all those types of things. But that was early days. Now that we're sort of at the back end of the regular season, is there anything that, that stands out to you or with, with what he brings to the table? he's got an, an elite level of confidence. Like it's, it's hard to break um, him <laughs> at all. And, and whether that be, you know, his shooting, whether that be, um, you know, how he's defending, like he, he always um, just has a super belief in, in how he goes about it and what he can get done. And I think, you know, there's, there's few people that kind of have that confidence and those people that have it, want the basketball and want to make big shots and believe that they can always make it as well. So I'm sure there's, there's going to be some moments um, in the final series where, you know, he does make a, a huge shot, make a big play because um, he, he, he wants that and he's got the confidence to go do it. Um, on the other side of it, like he can go to an elite level defensively for periods of time, but to me, it, it, it kind of shows you just how good Shaili is and how long he can stay at a, and an absolute elite level for, you know, four, four and a half minutes. And, you know, Nadelli can go at that intensity for maybe two and a half, but Shay's just got this another level tank that, that it's, that's so amazing. And I think it's been great to see, you know, Delhi known as that, that the kind of defender, but then to see Shay, um, it's like, wow, you know, that's, it's pretty elite. Yeah. Delhi, I think he said this publicly before, but, Shay was one of the first guys he mentioned when you asked about the team, but there was something that stood out to him. So if you talk about practice battles, I imagine if those two are on different sides of the scrimmage, it's a pretty fun battle to watch from your position. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's, I think it's great for Delhi as well. You know, that's where I think people have got to a little bit in the league with him to say, yep, the, 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 the drops and under coverage is, He's got to a level where he's shooting it, you know, well enough to really make great decisions and shoot the ball. So, you know, the, the pressure on him, um, the aggressive coverages, all those kind of things are um, where Shea can really make him a, a much better player in our league that's a little bit different to what he's been playing before. Shea, I, I think, and it, uh, again, I think part of it is United because you guys have so many guys and you had so many guys last year as well, but he always feels like he's one of the guys on the floor at the end of the game. And everyone talks about the defense, but he's hit some big shots as well. So you've mentioned trust a few times. Uh, where does he fall in that category for you? Yeah, I think it's still growing with him. You know, there's still an, another level of um, trust and confidence that um, 
that he can have in his own abilities to to close out games. You know, the the mid-range jumper that he made on, you know, on one of the Southeast games and he just took it on himself and and dropped that in. And um, you know, even the Adelaide game we lost, he made a massive three in the corner that probably should have been the the, the closeout kind of score as well. Um, so yeah, you know, him shooting at at 40% from three. Um, I think he probably I think he's leading our team right now. So um, it just yeah, him and and Delhi both shooting at a at a high clip from the three. It's going to be really important to us. Well, when I was uh, trying to figure out talking to you or talking to whoever the players this week, I said that I think I'd rather talk to Dean because I know that Delhi and Shay aren't going to talk about themselves, uh, no matter <laughs> how many questions you ask them. So when you talk about the confidence that Delhi has, is Shay. What is he like? Is have you seen that build with him as well as he's continued to contribute over not just this season but but previously as well? Yeah, I think it's been um, you know amazing challenges for him. You know, being at United to say, you know, I'm going to go against you know Mitch every day, and I'm going to go against Delhi every day, and and I'm going to have a lot of days where I, where I beat him as well, and um, and then. And that gives us the confidence to say, yeah, if we we need that, you know, extra defender that can make a shot, make a great decision down the stretch, you know, we've we've got we've got options. Um, maybe that's Shea closing out and, and Delhi not. Maybe that's Bubba closing out, and so there's there's maybe it's Caleb Vergara, you know, and and so we're gonna have, um, you know, we'll go through a process that hey, who's given us the most, in, you know, in, in the game time and then we'll make a decision down the stretch who can help us the most. So, um, yeah, good challenges for me. Yeah, how do they take that? Because I, it's, it's easy on, on paper and it makes sense and I can sit there and say, yeah, roll with whoever's hot or whoever's producing on the defensive end. But uh, I, I'm guessing if you're a professional at, at times can be difficult. Yeah, and I hope at this point in the season that that we're at that point that it doesn't matter that whatever whatever it's going to take to win and if it's his night um i'm happy to support him and but i'm going to go at him and practice the next day and 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 try and be the guy that, that closes out the next game and and i think if we all have that attitude we're in a good place what about jack white uh obviously again pre-season everyone was positive about the way that he looked but i think for someone that, that's on the outside like myself i'm like okay well i'm still going to hold my breath a little bit at the start of the season, but it's been ridiculous how good he's looked and how athletic he's looked and maybe more than anything, how confident he's looked in his own body. So this is obviously what you saw straight away, but even in your own mind, I'm sure there were some concerns, but how would you sum up his season? Because uh, I think at times I've wrote or said that I thought that he was almost your most important player in terms of what he can do versatility defensively and the offense, which seems to be coming along with each week. Yeah. And you look at, you know, the difference between offensive rating and defensive rating in our teams and the kind of that net rating, you know, and Joe and Jack White are, you know, the guys that um, yeah. have got the biggest margin between those two. And so they're so, so important to us. And, you know, sometimes you can even jack and you think, you know, I didn't think he was great tonight. And you look down, it's like, oh, when he's on the floor, we're still plus 15 or, or something like that. And I think we, we all see um, the areas of improvement for him and, um but he, he's just contributing so much to, to both ends of the floor, whether that be, you know, the shot blocking at the end of it, whether it be the offensive rebounding, whether it be the straight line drives, um, you know, I'm pushing him a little bit more to, to, to take a couple of more threes as well. I think he's going to have some open opportunities. Um, so, yeah, you know, um, 
really pleased with the body and I, I'm really happy with, you know, what our strength and conditioning guys got done. Um, probably one of the first times for me in my career and, and just seeing that, seeing the injury and seeing the work all the way through and seeing him come back and, um, and how, to, how to deal with that one as well. Uh, so yeah, it's been it's been it's been fun to see, and um, you know it's a continual day to day grind to to get to where he got to, and he deserves it. So I got to we're recording this on Wednesday morning. I got to have my awards nominations in by the end of today, and I'm looking at best defensive player, Dean, and and I can't figure out what to do when you've got a team that has so many dominant defensive players. So I'm just going to ask you. You're gonna to have to have a vote. You're gonna to have to have a vote at some point. How the hell do you separate these guys? Yeah, well, you know, this, uh, the categories are so tricky to, yeah. to say. You know, if you pick in the most versatile defender, or you pick in the best rim protector, you, you know, and what is it? And I guess it's 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 all round. You know, the the value defensively, you know, to your team and. Um, you know, who would we say is the best defensive team? I think if you ask most people on our team, they would probably say Shea is the best defensive player on our team. But then they'd pause and say, oh, but Ariel's just, he's doing an <laughs> unbelievable job in, in his footwork and, um, you know, his hands, you know, he's, he's so elite in those areas, his ability to sprint and wall up and, and, and then they'll start talking about Jack and Delhi. You know, it's, it's the same conversation that you, you're having with yourself. But again, I, I believe if our team voted right now, they'd probably say Shaley is the best defender on our team. All right. So if we talk about other teams in the league, thanks, it's probably easier for you to, to work out what it means for you. Who would, outside of Melbourne, who is the, the guy that you sort of look at and think it, in whatever category you want to you put it down in is the, is the best defender in the league? Antonio's Cleveland. Yeah. yeah, I think he's a, you know, he's a, such a disruptor um, in his ability to to just get his body in front of you and, and get his body in front of you and, and then use his length to either make you pick it up or disrupt the pass, um, switch on whoever he wants to switch on to. Um, yeah, he's, to me, the, um, the defender in the league. That's a, that's a problem. Uh, you guys are 11 and 2 on the road. And seven and five at home. How do you view that? Because it's a po- I imagine it's a positive, and also there's some negative there. Yeah, no, it's a it's a real positive for us to say. Um, you know, we had we looked at our season, we saw the stretch that you know we're obviously going to be out of John Kane Arena with the tennis, and and we kind of you know build that one up to say, hey, this is a, we got to smash this period, and and we and we did it again this year, and. Um, I think that kind of confidence just carried over um, to just feeling comfortable being on the road. And I think, yeah, we enjoy it. And I've said before that, you know, we have a lot of players with kids and there's, there's just that there's sometimes get on the road and it's just, you know, just maybe just sleep a little bit better for that, for that night or different things. So, um, yeah, and we, again, we love having the kids and, and being that kind of family club and everything. Um, and I certainly would, would never change that part of it, but yeah, there has been some good sleep, but I think we've bonded really well in that area to say hey, just us on the road, you know, there is some distractions at home. Um, just us, let's get together, um, you know, be totally unselfish and, and do what we need to get, do to get this job done. Uh, Coach's challenge. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I was I was all for it. 
Um, I was a big push. I, I thought it was going to come in a little earlier than it came in. Um, I don't think I've used it as well as um, maybe some other teams have, but um, but I love it. And you know, it's another it's another tool in our belt um, to use how we want to use it. Do you do you go early with it? Um, you know, to really trust a, a player. Do you do you hold it for a key moment? Um, you know, whether that be whether you're going to win or lose, but you know, you, you can just, you know, slow the game down for a second and do, do something different. And um, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a great initiative. Obviously we, we want the decision to be made pretty quickly um, and, and move on. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I think we'll get better at it as well as coaches and, and the league. So you, have you narrowed down a strategy? Cause my, my, my belief has always been keep a star player out of foul trouble. Even if it's in the first half, whatever it may be, that's how I thought it was the best. Or potentially put another opposition player into into foul trouble. Yeah, and we've seen the um, you know such a key one that you know Gorge got against us in the in the yeah. Wollongong game, and you know we thought we were going from six up to eight up with potentially with Delhi with free throws going, and that changes, and the jump ball turns into a dunk from them, and so what we could potentially be eight up if we made free throws became four up and momentum to them with a dunk, you know, that's, that's how much it can change the game. So, um, you know, again, the, the element of trust your players is, is <laughs> got to be good. How quickly, you know, and um, you get to the video, whether that be at home on the road and we've got to, we've actually got to be better at that. Um, how we, how we do it in on road games at the moment. And do you take an extra staff member, you know, just for, for that, you know, one task to, to, to get that one right. And so, um, yeah, we'll, again, we'll just, we'll just grow with it as it goes along. The players appealing for it is always the, the funniest thing to me. Have, I mean, how do, you, how do you trust the players? Obviously, they get caught up. They might not think that they're fouled and you watch the replay and it's a horrific challenge. How much can you trust the players in the heat of the moment? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting. You know, the, the one in, that we got in Perth and, and Delhi was, you know, was so adamant that you know we needed needed to challenge that one, and I couldn't I couldn't not challenge that one. Um, but yeah, he saw what he saw. He saw uh, I think it was Wagstaff have two feet inside the charge circle, and um, you know from where I'm standing, I I don't think I had the perfect view on that one. So you know, there's certainly moments that you've absolutely got to trust. And you know, I lost one the other day with when Shea um, thought he'd stripped the basketball off Jarwai. Or someone, but and they say you know he got a little bit of wrist, and and there's so much um, you know margin for error a little bit with you know did you get the ball hand wrist you know where's the line and so um, you know Scotty Butler's got a tough job in in in, in managing that one from his from his bunker. Uh, last couple for you, uh, the the coach's mic is something that I've been asking people about as well. Now, first of all. I would understand if you're a coach, you probably do not love it, but it's the viewing experience. And if you're at home and you get to listen to timeouts at times, it's, it's pretty insightful stuff. It's entertaining stuff. How do you feel about it? And when you're walking the sidelines and we're at home and we can hear you appealing to the, to the officials yelling at your players, is it completely off your mind? Do you, is it something that you have to really think about? I think now that I've got a fine for, to, to, to swearing in a timeout that, that, that I think about it a little bit more but um, no I don't love it you know I, yeah. I'm, I'm pushing our league to go in a different direction to say hey let's go the NBA route where you mm -hmm. can you can record our timeout and you can take what you want afterwards and and different things I just 
you know, with everything that's going on with integrity of the sport and those kind of things to, for us to just give information to everybody about what's going to happen on the next play. I'm, I'm just not, you know, totally comfortable with it. And, and I want to be able to coach my team the way I want to be able to coach my team as well. And if that means I need to get after somebody in a, in a way that the public doesn't, you know, need to hear, um, you know, should that always be a stand-up timeout or, or should I be able to coach the way I want to coach and, and you guys, you know, take um, the edits that are best for the viewers. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really challenged by it at the moment. Yeah, I totally agree with that, particularly the swearing stuff. Come on. We're in a we're in a an adult league here. I understand there's kids watching at home, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Last one, obviously a few games uh, before the postseason, and you won't look uh, too far ahead. But just in general, back to back is something you guys have been in the opportunity to to do previously. Uh, in general, the idea of that, what does that mean to you? Not spoken about. Um, <laughs> really not. You know, I think first time around when when we won it and. You know, often I've just taken on those challenges to say, this has never been done by a Melbourne team. No Melbourne NBL team has ever won back-to-back. And we took on that challenge and we spoke about it and did all that. And um, and it wasn't, I didn't think it was great for us. I thought it put maybe a little bit of extra pressure on what we were trying to do. So, um, yeah, the back-to-back won't be spoken about with this group. It's about, you know, a different team, different circumstances, um, you know, a different way to go about it. So, um, yeah, you know, we've put ourselves in a position to, to challenge for the championship and that's at Melbourne United what, we've, what we're trying to achieve every year. And, you know, for the last six years, I think, for the club, we've been a playoff team and we've put ourselves in this position and, um, you know, hopefully we can get some breaks and stay healthy and, um, and have a real good shot at it. Love it, mate. Really appreciate your time. I know it's uh, not to, for you, maybe not a day off, but the, the you're away from the players anyway, so we appreciate your time. No, appreciate it. Thank you.